So basically what that's doing is it's sending the cells in our body energy so then they can work harder and faster on cellular repair. So it's basically the best way of thinking of it is the same way that the sun would work on plants with photosynthesis. This is basically what the LED is doing to our skin cells. Welcome to Keeping It Real, Australia's favourite plastic surgery podcast. Now, typically we like to get a little gory on here, discuss slicing or dicing or just chat about the logistics of a tummy tuck or breast reductions and the rest of it. But today we're joined by Ree's dermal therapist, Britta. We have a savage winter coming our way, especially us Melburnians. So Britta's come in to give us the lowdown on how to prep our skin for those icy winds and long nights with red wine. Hey Britta, how are you going? Good, thanks Kate. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for making the really long journey in. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, So as we know, we're going into the cooler months. We're all starting to feel it, especially here in Melbourne. We know what kind of savage harsh winters are awaiting us I know that when we kind of go into these cooler months we change how we eat what we drink how we sleep it is a big transition for our bodies is it the same for our skin definitely definitely you're 100% right with that so as we kind of update our skincare regime I'm gonna use you as a bit of my own personal to-do list um, and just make sure that I'm doing things right with my skincare regime. So with things like retinol, when I've used them typically in the summer, my skin has been like hypersensitive to the sun. Is that something that I should be using more in the winter? Yeah, definitely. You can use it all year round, but it is a photosensitizer. So obviously through summer, there's going to be a higher UV exposure rate. So you need to make sure that you're using SPF. But even in winter, we still have our UVA and our UVB, so you need to make sure you keep your um, skin protected when you're using your vitamin A. Um, Vitamin A has lots of different names and lots of different forms. So sometimes you just need to make sure you're using the right vitamin A for you. And how do you know what's the right vitamin A for you? Um, So basically, (laughs) a bit of a tricky question, but basically um, with vitamin A, we have things like retinol, retinoldehyde, and the list basically just keeps going. Um, Some are more designed for acne skins and some are more designed for aging. Um, The one that we have at Re is retinol, which I really love. It's a really good combination, um, vitamin A. So it's suitable all year round, but you just want to make sure during the day you're using your SPF and keeping your skin still protected. So you mentioned that we should be using SPF. Obviously, we all know that we have to wear it in summer. We burn instantly without it. Is it still just as important in those like super cloudy, dark Melbourne days as well in winter? Yeah, definitely. So we have our UVA and our UVB. The way that I like to um, break it down and the way that I remember it is you've got your UVA and your A stands for aging and you've got your UVB where your B stands for burning. So they're both working or affecting the skin in different ways, but basically even if you're not getting a sunburn or a, a skin tan, you're still getting the effects of the UVA, which is causing the premature aging. So it is important to make sure you're still protecting your skin. Um, even the lights that we're sitting under now in our office um, that no one can see, but um, they actually still admit 
uh, a UV exposure. So even if you are inside, you still should be wearing an SPF to protect you. That is so fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. A peek behind the curtain about <laughs> lights in the office. So on that front of keeping your skin um, fresh and light, I know that there's exfoliation. We should obviously be doing it all year round. But not all chemicals were created equal. So if our skin's being ravaged by those icy winds and a lot of red wine and sitting in front of fireplaces, is there a different chemical we should be using for exfoliants in winter? Yeah, so um, exfoliation in winter, I think it's probably the most important thing to be doing. It doesn't really matter what um, moisturiser or serum or cream that you use. If you haven't exfoliated your face, the products that you're using are just going to be sitting on your stratum corneum and not penetrating into the skin. So they're not really doing anything. Um, As far as what exfoliation, what product to use, there's lots of different products you can buy. The main or there's three main types of exfoliators, but I just break it into two different categories. So you've got one that's mechanical. So that's any of our um, like Hoba or um, like mechanical beads. So anything that you can scrub on the skin and mechanically exfoliate. And then we have our enzymes or our um, chemical exfoliators. So they range. um, But basically, I think the most important thing through winter is to make sure that you keep up with those products. So it might be um, using a night serum that's the AHA or a BHA and then a couple of times a week using a granular exfoliator as well. So I think as long as you keep up with exfoliation, keep your skin um, so it doesn't get really dry and flaky on the surface, then all the benefits of your serums and creams will, will keep penetrating into the skin and you'll have glowy skin all year round. Now you've mentioned the benefits of serums and creams. I know it's a bit of a I don't want to say misconception, but a lot of people seem to think that they pack on as much as they can to their face in winter, be it every moisturiser, cream, serum under the sun. Is that the way we should be going? What's the difference between a cream and a serum? Yeah, so a serum, the best way of thinking of it is a serum is um, like a a stronger, um, lighter combination to a moisturiser. So you'd have your serum, which you'd apply first, and then you'd sort of seal it in with your moisturiser over the top. So the serum usually has a bit of a complex delivery system where it can um, travel through the cells to where it needs to go and deliver that active ingredient. And then your serum is a little bit, sorry, your moisturiser is a little bit more occlusive and that will sit on the surface of the skin, almost like a seal to seal everything together. Mm, That's so interesting. Yeah, so when you start to layer... The best way of thinking of it is you want to use like your thinnest consistency to your thickest. So you like cleanse, serum, moisturize and some people tone. So obviously your toner would be in there before the serum. So it's kind of like thinnest to thickest. Yeah, yeah. And then just the golden rule, wait a little bit in between each layer so everything can absorb. What about people, I see quite often people put droplets of serum into their daily moisturizer. Yeah, you can definitely do that. Whatever, whatever Wild. works. The party start. Um, and then I've also kind of seen across skincare Instagram this concept of multi-masking. So that's where people will put like a charcoal uh, mask across their T-zone to target breakouts and clarification and then a more hydrating one around the rest of their skin. Is this something that's just trendy of the now or is do you think there's actually kind of weight behind it? Um, I only just learnt what it was a little while ago. So... 
I think that it potentially could just be like a bit of a craze that's come in with Instagram because it creates really good content and really good texture having different colours and different formulas on the skin together. I'm not a huge fan of it. I think that you can achieve good results by using the same mask all over your face. Um, Most people, if they're dividing their face into like quarters or thirds or halves or whatever, um, they're wanting to achieve, you know, different results. But as a whole, you're wanting to treat the whole face. So I would just recommend finding a mask that's going to do that. So it might be if your skin's dry or the oil flow through the T-zone's a little bit off, it's getting a little bit too shiny throughout the day. Niacinamide is an amazing ingredient that balances the oil flow. So I think it's just looking a little bit outside the box for products that you can get the most out of. We do love to save money on skincare. So yes, one that's what I'm better. all for. <laughs> Now, speaking of buzzwords, I've heard you talk about microbiomes, um, which is a little less trendy and a little more cellular. What exactly is a microbiome? Yeah, so microbiome is basically our first line of defense on our skin. Um, The best way to think of it is like our skin flora. So it's there to protect us. Awesome. And how how do you find out if your microbiome is damaged, if there's something you need to do about it? Yeah, so usually with microbiome, um, it's the first line of defense. So if someone's coming to see me and they have acne or rosacea um, or even eczema, sometimes that's a really good sign that the skin's compromised. Um, And there's ways of treating it and there's ways of treating it at home as well. But again, it just comes back to looking for the right products. So um, in my previous podcast, we spoke about those harsh granular scrubs and people sort of using those instead of cleansers. They're using them every single day. So that would be probably the most common way that people destroy that barrier function of their skin by over exfoliating. Interesting. Hmm. And how would you then solve that? Yes, so um, we usually or I usually look at finding a product or a group of products that's going to help to restore. So sometimes it means the skincare they've been using, they sort of have to put back on the back burner for a couple of months until they can restore their face. So niacinamide, um, hemp seed oil, all these things that are quite calming and nourishing. Um, And LED is another amazing treatment that we can offer which is really, really good at restoring the skin's microbiome. Perfect. Well, let's talk about that because we do want to kind of discuss what we do here at RE in terms of um, helping with the transition into cooler months where people's skin typically tends to dry out. Yeah. So what's your best way of combating that? So I think this time of year, peels or clinical facials and LEDs are probably more of our popular treatments for people to have. Um, The reason they're so good is because I suppose you can have them all year round, but they're really customised so we can bespoke the treatment for the individual's skin. Perfect. So a face peel sounds aggressive to the average gal, I would say. What exactly is it? Like, does your skin peel off? Are you left red? Are you left raw? What is a face peel? Yeah, so it really depends. So to answer your question, yes, you could have that. Um, There's lots of different levels of peels, lots of different brands, but... Generally, if someone's coming to see me and we assess their skin, we're not going to like delve into doing something that's a really intense treatment where they're going to be shedding for the next week. Um, Usually with peels, you'll start off with something that's quite like level entry. So it's basically just boosting the skin's um, collagen and elastin 
or helping to like refine the pores so you don't have to do anything that's like super high strength to start off with. Um, And usually with peels, depending on what we're doing, we need to make sure people have prepped their skin prior. So it might mean introducing like an AHA alpha alpha hydroxy acid serum or a BHA into your skincare routine. So there's sort of um, a lot that goes into it prior to the treatment. So would people, if they were coming in for a treatment, you would chat to them prior before they come in about introducing their skin? Yeah, and most people I find are already using the sorts of things that we need to prep their skin with. Okay, great. Yeah. And what about the harsher face peels? What kind of goes into those? Is that... Yeah, so we offer a few here at RE. Um, One of our more popular treatments is quite a strong vitamin A peel, which is really good for pigmentation, um, I suppose, photo-aging, so the signs of ageing from um, excessive UV exposure, which is really common in Australia because we have such a high UVA and UVB rays. Um, So with that one, you will have a little bit more flaking, but really just depends what your skin's used to. Like um, if you've done treatments before, if you're using active skincare, the results will be amazing, but you probably won't have much downtime. But if you've never had a treatment before, you go and get one, it's really high strength, your skin will be quite irritated and, and red afterwards. Gotcha. And I know we've all seen those kind of photos of um, yeah, patients I'm, walking out I'm in remembering, red. I'm um, remembering that episode of Sex in the City where yeah. – What's her name? Samantha has the skin peel. Then she goes to the event and her face is just bright red. So no, that's not how someone is going to look when they leave. (laughs) Great. For the ones that you know that I do have a little bit more redness, is it kind of just gone by the next day? Yeah, yeah. It really depends. Like sometimes it'll, you know, be gone within two to four hours. Other other times it'll be 12 hours. But usually in a consultation and when you see a dermal therapist, they're going to go over with you the downtime and what effect they expect to see on your skin yeah cool and what about led how does that kind of factor into the cooler months of skincare yeah so led is amazing i think it's probably one of the best treatments that's less invasive so there's no pain associated with it which i think is definitely a positive for everyone um what it's doing is it works on a cellular level with the skin so we basically use a light machine it works on a cell that's called the mitochondria, um, which provides our body with something called ATP. So basically what that's doing is it's sending the cells in our body energy so then they can work harder and faster on cellular repair. So it's basically the best way of thinking of it is the same way that the sun would work on plants with photosynthesis. This is basically what the LED is doing to our skin cells. How cool. So yeah, it's amazing. Um, And I always recommend if people are doing skin treatments, like clinical facials or peels, it's a really good bonus thing um, to have done. And how often should somebody, like, say, this all sounds amazing, right up their alley, they're all over the AHA, the BHA, should, is it kind of one per season or as much as your skin can take? What kind of frequency should they be doing it? Yeah, so it really depends on the person. Like, it's very, very individual. So if I, if we're treating someone that maybe has a skin condition, we're treating fortnightly. If it's someone that's wanting to do, like, some rejuvenation or deal with photo-aging, which is our sun damage, it might just be once a month. So again, it's tailored to the person. Um, The other thing that's really cool about LED is it helps with our serotonin levels in our brain. So through winter, when there's less sunlight and we are starting to feel um, maybe a little bit down, a little bit glum, LED is really good as a mood booster. So 
a lot of people love it for that as well. Perfect. So you said LED is really good for our skin, mood, all the rest of it. What else does LED treat? It treats a broad spectrum of skin conditions. Um, So I'll just list them for you. (laughs) Um, Acne. So from moderate to severe acne, we have different, I should mention, we have different wavelengths. So different wavelengths, so different light colours are going to treat different conditions. So we also can treat alopecia or hair loss, scarring, um, so surgical scarring or burns, um, the range of scarring, wound repair. So it's really good in that acute wound repair phase and that's where it sort of um, coincides with the plastic surgery side of re. So we see a lot of patients after they've had their cosmetic surgery. Oh, okay. Um, and that helps a lot with the inflammation, pain relief. And we usually can start treating them one week post-surgery. So that just means that the scar that's going to be formed is going to close quicker and better. And um, the faster that a wound repairs itself, the better the scarring. So oh, it's a very popular one. Yeah. Um, it treats stretch marks, vertiligo, and it's really good for skin rejuvenation. God, so, yeah, what kind of do? My God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've talked about change in season um, seems to lean quite heavily on more hydration um, and using things that might be more photosensitive in these months, although with SPF. Do you have any other tips and tricks of to kind of make that transition into winter a little bit smoother? Yeah, so I think it's really important for people to take into consideration the amount of water that they're drinking. So just the obvious things, like in summer it's hot, we get thirsty. In winter we can go like hours and sometimes people can go like a day and then they remember I haven't even had a glass of water because you don't have that same thirst. So I think tracking your water consumption is something that people should do unless um, or until they get into the habit of drinking more water. Obviously continuing with your SPF, the regular exfoliation, And you can bring in thicker creams. So um, unless you're someone that's more prone to acne, it's a really good time to bring in thicker, more emollient creams. You might change your gel cleanser to an oil-based cleanser. Um, And I really like dry body brushing, which is basically a body brush that you can brush over the skin. Not so rough on the face. I probably would avoid the face. But for the body, it's really good. It stimulates the blood flow and it helps just to remove any of those dry, dead skin cells that are sitting around blocking your body oil or your moisturiser from penetrating into the skin. I know you just said dry body brush, but to clarify, so that's <laughs> something that you just do out in the open or not outside <laughs> the shower? <laughs> um, yeah, so you can do that out in the open. Yeah, maybe not outside of the house <laughs> open. <laughs> um, yeah, you can do it in your house. I'd probably prefer you to do it in your house. Um, and it basically is a body brush, so it has quite soft bristles. Um, you basically brush the body in the direction towards the heart, so it's bringing the blood circulation towards the heart. Um, And you basically can do it until you create erythema on the skin, so a little bit of redness. And the bristles of the brush will help to remove any of the dry, dead skin cells. Um, And it's just a good way of stimulating your body, especially for people if they find in the morning like they're a bit sluggish, they find it a bit hard to get going, which is me. You're Um, preaching to the choir. It's a good thing to do. Um, especially like if you're about to do like yoga or some stretching, I think dry body brushing beforehand is really beneficial. Oh, how interesting. Awesome. Did you have any other tips, tricks? 
Awesome. Um, I think I've given away most of my tricks. Yeah, nice. Put you out of the job before you know it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Britta. And remember, Refam, always wear SPF because apparently you're not even safe indoors. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery. Surgery.